everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of Saturday School. If you enjoyed, make sure to follow us on Instagram for updates at mission.inspired. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify or on Anchor at anchor.fm slash satschool. That's S-A-T school. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year's, though. Pretty sure this episode comes out one week after New Year's. So today we have a special guest for episode four, Naomi Boschkonski. She's a recent admit to Stanford class of 2025. Super, super successful in her chess career. World, she's, I'll list off some achievements. World schools, chess champions for girls under 13. North American junior girls under 20 champion. Woman international master. Also one of the few high schoolers to have her own Wikipedia page, which is something interesting. Y'all should check that out. <laughs> Other than that, she's involved in CS research and robotics. That's all. Naomi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Yeah. So I kind of want to open up with like, you're clearly super, super high achieving student. And when I think about like high achieving people, there's, this is kind of what Elaine said. There's always this internal motivation that fuels like high achieving people. So for you, like what motivates you? Like some people have this vision of the world that they see. Some people have this vision of themselves that they see. Some people are driven by like maybe wealth or fame. Like what, with all this stuff that you're working on, what motivates you? I think my reasoning has gotten more complex and more mature as I myself have aged, but I think it stemmed down even from when I was in uh, like eighth grade. I, I think just, the, or even even when I was five years old, actually, I was, I was like this. I just had uh, innate desire to, I guess, like impress people and be well-liked. So like, you mm-hmm. know, at school, a big thing for me is, um, you know, I, I love being a teacher's pet. I love, I love it when teachers <laughs> like me. Bro, that's the first time I've seen anybody just admit that. that was just interesting. <laughs> I respect that a lot. Well, I, I've had some very interesting conversations with teachers as well. And, you know, I didn't used to appreciate that. You, I used to be, you know, when I was like a kid, I just liked it when teachers liked me. And now that I'm, you know, in my senior year, I actually enjoy talking to my teachers and learning mm-hmm. from them, you know, yeah. and outside of just like the specific things they teach. So mm-hmm. I think that's the root of it. I'm sure I think that um, I don't know I think that I'm really like I'm like a sponge I really like absorb um, societal standards of like what is like you know successful or whatever and I, re- I don't know I think I just really care about it so then I just uh, so you enjoy yeah. the challenge like you yeah enjoy I, I enjoy the challenge I enjoy rising up to it I guess yeah I think one really interesting thing I read about with high achieving people is idea of like intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation so would you say like as you've gotten older you feel more of like a sense of intrinsic motivation to achieve things i think it's been shifting that way yeah yeah that's really cool Mm, okay that's real interesting so so like so far a lot of what you've been like with your goals has been like almost like a validation from other people like for people to like not this isn't even bad it's just like being able to like surpass what most people's expectations are right yeah i mean i still really like that <laughs> it's always very fun yeah but it's also okay. yeah i also care about it for other reasons i care about now it's like more i care about for myself like i care about being like becoming a mature person uh for my own happiness and maybe that involves being high achieving because i find that fun or interesting hmm, okay yeah it's really good to hear i think it's kind of part of everybody's like natural transition into adulthood finding more personal fulfillment in what you do so yeah definitely it's also like a balance I think a balance is valuable okay so I I want to go into chess I know like you're super successful into chess and I think a good start to this is just how did you begin playing chess what age did you start who kind of told you like Naomi like why don't you try chess so it starts with my brother. He's my older brother. He's five years older than me. He's the first one in our family who started playing chess. And he started when he was five. Uh, he actually saw, I think he saw like some kids at school playing or some people playing chess. And he had previously learned checkers from his, from his nanny. But then when he learned that it wasn't checkers, it was something called chess. He like asked to learn it. So then he learned it. He got pretty good. Uh, at that point, uh, we lived in Israel because that's where I was born. So he got, you know, pretty good in that circle. And then when I became five years old, uh, I saw my brother playing chess and I was like, I want to do that. So, or no, not even when I was five years old, when I was like four years old. And then uh, my mom tried teaching me and my, yeah, it was mostly my mom tried teaching me initially. 
And, you know, when I was four years old, I didn't, I don't even remember, I, I don't remember learning chess, okay? <laughs> but uh, apparently when I was four years old, I couldn't quite grasp all the pieces. Like I couldn't understand how the knight moves. I had mm -hmm. trouble with that. And then when I was five years old, I clicked immediately. And I already, when I was five years old, I, you know, I remember like there was like show and tell uh, at school and I would always bring these huge chess trophies. And actually, I became the Washington State uh, kindergarten chess champion. Uh -huh. And my brother became the chess champion in the fourth grade section for Washington oh, State. Okay. So that was really awesome. Uh, and then, like, there was a national championship in the kindergarten through first grade section. And I got, like, fifth place, which was my, the trophy was, like, one inch shorter than me. It was really, like, really big. Oh, yeah. I've seen pictures of those before. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was. And I was, like, uh, and there's this picture of me online. Maybe you'll find it. Of I'm like five years old and I have mm -hmm. this golden princess dress a golden <laughs> princess dress and yeah. I'm holding this trophy that's almost as tall as me and it's just so ridiculous well I swear <laughs> chess players are the like chess youth players are the people who have the most trophies out of any you know, I, activity. Is, I, well, I guess the podcast listeners won't see it but there's like there's a bunch of trophies here and these are only my small trophies that could fit up there I have my big trophies downstairs wow. all right keep it subtle keep it subtle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so after, yeah basically after I was five years old I was just really good at it and I enjoyed it I think actually I when I was like five years old I was uh, in like interviewed sort of interviewed just very briefly I asked like why I like playing chess and I think I said for the uh trophies and dollars is why I play chess <laughs> so that was my reasoning when I was five <laughs> simple desires yeah yes <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, I was just very good at it and I enjoyed it. You know, I always enjoyed problem solving and logic. I don't think I was ever uh, obsessed. Uh, like, you know, if you see the Queen's Gambit, you know, uh, Beth Harmon is, is obsessed with chess. I was never like that, but I just enjoyed it. I played, you know, at the local chess clubs and all that and chess for life when I was a kid. I got very good, especially very good for a girl. Um, and yeah, just progressed from there. Mm. Yeah, chess is such a... It's such an admiring activity for especially like kids who do it because you're like I played a little bit of chess. I was never at a high level. My brother was, though. And I know like you're putting hours into a round and then you have to do like what, like five to eight rounds for a tournament. And that is draining for a middle school student. So like, what is that like for you? Do you feel like it's built a lot of kind of this hard work that's been instilled within to you now as a high school student? I think is I don't think it's actually been part of instilling hard work specifically. Mm -hmm. I think it's more it's more so patience, I guess. Because yeah, the games are super long. You know, I found like I actually always had problems with time management because even though the games we had like two hours per side, I fought for like 20 minutes per move. So that wasn't enough time for me because <laughs> I could just sit there and analyze the position forever. So perhaps in that sense, it's kind of, uh, even now, I, I think that I can, I can think about a specific small subject for many hours on end and like, you know, just write and type oh. and just think about it for a very long time. So maybe it's contributed to that, I would say. That's really interesting. Yeah, because I don't, I've never played chess competitively. I barely understand the rules of chess, but I read a lot of news articles about competitive chess players like Bobby Fischer and one really interesting thing that they've talked about is like the sheer mental fortitude it requires to play chess. So I think like patience is an interesting aspect of that, but do you think it's made you like mentally stronger in general as well? Possibly. I don't know. It's really, okay. The thing is I don't play competitive chess anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I got like my big chess achievements, like my biggest chess achievements when I was 13 and 14, uh, like, you know, you mentioned Aaron. And then I, after one upon it, Okay, the summer before ninth grade was not a good summer for me. I had a lot of uh, chess tournaments to do, and uh, there were a lot of like big international tournaments. And at the end of the summer, I did get you know my big win, my North American junior win, which was very very good. Uh, but like that was only at the very end. And throughout the summer, I was just very busy with chess tournaments, and I was failing a lot. You know, I wasn't getting first place, right? Yeah. And I would just you know after every chess game. After every game I lost, I would just like, I, I would really hate myself. Because uh, like one thing to consider is that, you know, when you lose a chess game against someone, 
it almost feels like you're stupider than them or like you you know you're you didn't try as hard as them in studying right and like yeah. it, it's not a good feeling and it's a big thing that causes a lot of people to quit chess is that they just can't handle losing i think for me yeah it became way too stressful and i couldn't yeah. handle losing so i decided uh like entering ninth grade that or entering high school in general i guess that i would try to get a couple big last chess achievements and then i would just but i wouldn't actually try to become like significantly better at mm-hmm. chess i just didn't see the purpose like the value it gave to myself you know chess is just game at the end of the day mm-hmm. so you know i played a couple of big tournaments in ninth and tenth grade and i completely stopped playing competitively at the tenth grade and now i just play with you know of right. course my newport chess club but i, I think yeah and, and to answer your question elaine in terms of uh, mental fortitude i think that it gave me you know even though in the end, I did quit because it was partially because it was very stressful, partially because it just wasn't very useful to me. I do think that most likely it did contribute to, you know, me not fearing failure and just kind of the, you know, like, I, I guess I'd probably just go with like a general philosophy of life of like, you know, shoot for the moon. And even if I miss, I'll land among the stars. Yeah. I just try my That's so inspirational. That's yeah, so it's inspirational. so inspirational, right? <laughs> Amazing. Never said before. <laughs> but uh but but genuinely like you know i honestly i maybe i could have i could have been a lot better at chess i didn't practice nearly as much as i could have i just uh but i just you know played games and i obviously achieved very much so i think that i probably yeah i I think overall it did make me more prone to Mm. trying things and being willing to fail because i failed so much you know my chess tournaments right but that no one remembers those tournaments all they remember is the ones that i got first place in Mm -hmm. yeah I think for me, I mean, I've never, I played piano and cello competitively for most of my childhood and never at the same level as you with chess. Like I never played international in international competitions or anything, but yeah, when I think back on all those years I put in, cause like, like you, after I think sophomore year, I stopped playing seriously or competitively. I kind of just played with friends and school orchestra for fun. I realized that really what I got out of it was sort of the same thing. It was more just like, I could have practiced more. Um, I didn't work nearly as hard as a lot of my other people did, but it was really just like learning a new skill and making friends through that, that really stuck with me. And I guess I, I also lost a lot, but I only really remember the competitions I did well at. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's really just about the effort you put in rather than the end result. So yeah, it's good. To yeah, hear. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I resound with that too. Cause I did swimming. I quit competitive swimming before ninth grade and I wasn't like super amazing, but I was pretty well, like pretty well ranked within the state. And then I quit too. So I like, do I think about how, how has it impacted me now? I, I like, I feel like that was kind of a failure in terms of me quitting swimming, but I think it's still undeniable. Like we don't, when you're young, you don't know how it's impacted you, but for you to commit to like chess for something that's your whole life, I'm sure it has helped you a lot in ways that you don't know. And like back to the I, thing about, sure. back to the thing about like the individual, like it being too difficult for you when you failed like that's why chess is like that's why it seems so difficult because when you're doing a team sport like like soccer you carry the responsibility with your team but when you're playing chess all the responsibility goes to you when you lose and you're doing that back to back to back for like four or five hours and then you do that countless times for the next several days like it's a different monster (laughs) it's completely different monster yeah yeah anyways so you at like you want you were world champion at 13 years old right yeah pretty much so in that position like what is it like to like you're like for this activity you're standing on top of everybody for your age and for to experience that at such a young age what is that like so I think the one thing to mention there is that uh there's a yeah, I guess first thing that comes to mind is that there is actually two uh world chess championships for uh like uh-huh um for youth there's the world youth chess championship and the world schools chess championship the problem is i won the world schools chess championship and even though like they you know both have uh people playing from around the world you know i played many girls from russia and like kazakhstan wherever it's uh the the world schools chess championship is considered is like a tiny bit easier i can definitely think of um even though, like this one, there's this one girl in the U.S. Uh, her name's Carissa Yeep, who's definitely stronger than me, uh, and she is. She's actually, I'm actually very lucky because she's taking a, 
uh, a gap year. So she's not applying to college this year. So I'm still like, oh I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> right? I'm still was very she, strong. Was she going to apply to Stanford or something? I, I don't know. I don't know. But she's uh, she's very strong. Actually, she's so strong that in the woman in the American Women's World Championship. Oh, sorry. I mean, God damn it. In the U.S. Women's Championship this year, she got second place, even though she's, wow. you know, like 17 or something. Uh, she won among she got second place among all women. So she's got to very, very good competitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, so then like, I, I guess the main thing to say there is that it's actually more, even though I won the World School Chess Championship, it's more accurate to say I'm one of the best, like very mm. top female chess players for my age in the world. I'm, I don't not, I don't think I'm the very best. I know there's one girl from Kazakhstan who's a year younger than me, who's really, really good. And of course, Carissa Yip. So that's the first thing to keep in, like, right, I guess that's the first thing that I think about is, you know, I guess, and like the other first, the other thing, to th- the other thing to think about is that it is in the girl section. So like, you know, there's two things that I think about that maybe others don't think about too much that like, mm. you know, kind of mitigate my success for me, even though it's a very big success, it's perhaps sounds a bit more impressive than it actually is. Like I could not, you know, I couldn't, I, I would do just kind of meh in the, in the so, regular section so yeah, your mindset, I played in the girl section and that's why I did very very well so your mindset is more like this isn't as it's like there's more to it like there are people better than me there's still like these male chess players who stand in my way is that kind of the mindset <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> I wasn't really saying stand in my way <laughs> but like like that are better than you that you yeah better, better yeah it's like you know I don't I I don't want to be like arrogance like of course for right, yeah. college apps i'm not going to like explain oh there's actually this world youth chess championship that's like tiny bit stronger i'm just going to say oh i won the world school's chess championship and that's you know i'm being completely accurate but right. you know if i'm being completely honest yeah i, I don't want to be arrogant with myself like i did i'm very good at chess and i'm especially very good uh for a female chess player but it's still like there's like you know i'm not like l- leagues above everyone else right i just happen to be at the right place at the right time to win the chess championship kind of thing well that's a good mindset to have that there's always room to improve but i think you should still be proud of your achievements so yeah it's good to hear that you have that balance right Mm -hmm. Uh, so you you've achieved like you're like first place like you know you mentioned technically not but you basically are by the award how how did your chess career follow after that? Like how, like, where do you go from being, how do you go from being U13 first place? Like, where do you go from there? Like, how can you top that? So usually before that, I would attend the World Youth Chess Championship each year uh, from when I was like eight, nine, and I think 11 and 12, I attended the World Youth Chess Championship. Like last time I played in that, it was in the under 12 section. And I think it got seventh place or something. So I would, I would just like do that every year. And, you know, I stopped doing that after mm-hmm. I got my first right, place yeah. win because, you know, good enough. And I'm not going to get first place again, right? Uh, at least maybe in the World Schools Chess Championship, but not very, very unlikely in the World Youth Chess Championship. I, like I said, there's still a couple girls who are stronger than me. But, like, after that, my mindset was kind of like, I don't know. I, I think, like, a big thing was that, um, you know, I was entering high school and I was like, oh, I should start thinking about college. So, and, and of course, you know, a big th- uh, thing was, a big factor in that was uh, like influence from my parents and my older brother who were both like, yeah, you should start, you should think about college a bit. So that's, that's basically why I transitioned to, uh, you know, just, just trying to do a couple of last big tournaments to see if I can get any big achievements in high school. Cause I, I don't want my biggest achievements, like my sole biggest achievements to be in eighth grade. That's not a right. good look for college apps necessarily. So that's like a small thing I thought about, but like in terms of, okay, actually, well, a very, like the thing that I remember the most is I just got, you know, kind of famous in eighth grade, like a little bit. How? Um, How so? From winning or? Yeah, from winning. I, I mean, I got interviewed by like various uh, news outlets. If you search my name oh, okay. up, you'll find a million things, you know, like Seattle Times. Um, yeah. I'm actually mentioned in the U.S. Congress. There's also like these random <laughs> oh, <okay>. articles. That, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's also these like random articles like um, about interesting people in Bellevue. And then I was mentioned there or something. And I had like this weird caricature picture of me. It's really funny. And I had no idea it existed until recently. I didn't even see it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was that was funny. And of course, you know, I got 
I, I got a experience in modeling because I got, you know, I had to be photographed for the <laughs> articles. <laughs> so that was really fun. Wow. I, yeah, I learned, I learned that I really like fame. That's what I learned. And also, <laughs> also I learned, uh, also I became kind of famous just at school, at my middle school, because I had just some really weird experiences. Like I remember like multiple times it happened that I would just get stopped in the hallway and someone would just ask like, hey, are you Naomi? And I'd be like, yeah. And internally, I'm thinking like, who the hell is this kid? And then they just be like, oh, I saw you. I saw you on the Kinko uh, news last last night or something. I saw the video of you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was me. Hi. Oh, that was <laughs> me an amazing feeling as like yeah. an eighth grade student. It was really. Especially yeah, yeah. since chess is like something individual. Whereas team sports, you get recognition from your teammates, right? It's like pe- other people actually acknowledging your achievements is a wonderful feeling. I definitely with music. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very, so that, that was a, I don't know, I just really liked that experience. It's just really funny to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was lovely. Uh, but otherwise, I don't, I don't know, maybe had a slight boost, like, you know, winning that first place had a slight boost in my confidence overall, but I, you know, I, I can't, the problem is I can't compare myself from my current self to the myself who, you know, got like second place or something like that. So I don't know like what actual impact it, it has had on me, but I would imagine perhaps I had some boost in my confidence. Mm. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, you, I know you mentioned your parents, you mentioned your brother and I'm like, I'm assuming they've kind of supported you throughout the whole time. For sure. For sure. Chess, like how how like how have they played a role in chess but also yeah how have they played a role for your chess career um well I, yeah my older brother had a big role I think when I was very young he just practiced with me this was only when I was like five or six and then I stopped because mm-hmm. you know I, I actually never really liked to play chess against him <laughs> I don't know oh, was, okay you know sibling rivalry or something like that my mom my mom was a of course a huge help she she, she was like the chess mom, right? She always figured out the, what chess tournaments to go to. She always drove me everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, logistics. She, yeah, the logistics. She figured out with other chess parents. And, you know, she was just there for me. And also like a bit of support and just figuring stuff out. Uh, and and uh, she didn't push me very much. Mostly it was like my, my own initiative. But, okay. uh, you know, she also like, you know, she likes, basically she told me like what tournaments I, sh- I should go to. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds fun. And then my dad, um, I think my dad was mostly just there for uh, the big chess tournaments, like the national, international chess tournaments. I remember when I was very young, we would go on like several hour, like many hour long car trips to Las Vegas uh, to play in the, there's like a ch- big chess tournament there. And actually <laughs> the Las Vegas, there was like, I think it's the world open. And I played in the under 1200 category, which is like the, the rating, the strength section, you could say, when I was eight years old. And I won like $1,500 when I was eight years old in Las Vegas. So that was lovely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my dad was always figuring out the logistics with the bigger tournaments with like, oh, what hotels to stay in, maybe what sites to see. And uh, just that really like mm. big stuff. Oh, so you would say like your parents just kind of managed, because like obviously an eight-year-old cannot coordinate travel and sign yeah. up on their own, but it was pretty much your own initiative to learn and improve at chess. I think mostly honestly I don't really remember it but my mom says that that's how it went so I'm just gonna believe her gonna like, go she, said, it. she says it's mostly yeah. my own initiative yeah that's awesome that's so impressive as an eight-year-old like what was I doing as an eight-year-old I don't know yeah. I definitely I think I was just screwing around <laughs> oh my god wait about about that tournament it, it was really funny I remember the last round I was playing against this adult man who was currently in the first place he was in lead right now and there was actually this like specific thing with time control, like, cause uh, you know, in a chess game, you have a clock that you hit when you make your move and stuff. Uh, so you only have a certain amount of time per game. And uh, there's this specific thing called sudden death in chess where okay. after 40 moves, you get an additional like 30 minutes or one hour or whatever, but it's, you know, it's only after 40 moves. And he, like, I think my opponent didn't know that that was a thing. And I did as an eight year old. And it was like, it was really ridiculous. We had to call the tournament, like our game lasted so long. And then we had to call the tournament director over and he had to explain it. And then I tried to explain it, but like, 
you know, it t- he took him a long time to understand. I think he got kind of mad. I don't know. But I remember before this recording, Elaine and I were doing a little bit of research on an interview. I think it was the one when you're eight years old. And there was a question about like, do you defeat like adult men all the time? And you were like, or something like that. And you were like all the time or something. I'm just imagining like, imagine like Elaine, imagine you're 30 or 40 years old, like the entire weekday, you just been, you got your FedEx job, you've been dropping packages and now you just want to relax with your pals in a chess tournament. And then you get just demolished by an eight-year-old. And then she's teaching you how to, the rules about chess. Like I'd I'd be sobbing. That would be a humbling experience. (laughs) Quite a humbling experience. Yeah. I mean, so I I beat him at the end of the game and then we we shared first place. So that's why. Oh, okay. Okay. And we shared the prize fund. Yeah, but that's really exceptional. Like I cannot think of, like one, I cannot think of many eight-year-olds who are that motivated and two, like any eight-year-olds who can compete at an adult level in anything. So that's really remarkable actually. Chess is a very unique thing in that sense because- uh, you know, obviously, most eight-year-olds, you know, like they're too small to compete in sports. Uh, they're, you know, like inter- there's like intellectual stuff, but of course, eight-year-olds like generally have less intellectual cap- capability than adults. But with chess, the thing is that, you know, I guess a lot of a lot of it is maybe just your innate, either like your innate logic skills, or it's also a, you know obviously a huge thing is the time you put into chess. So like most adults, you know, don't put a lot of time into chess. But if you're you know, I've been playing for, I've been playing for three years by the time I was eight years old. So I was already like, you know, I had a lot of experience with chess. So hard work trumps all, yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. So before this, Aaron and I were asking each other this question. We're not really sure what the answer to it is. Do you consider chess a sport? Because I feel like there's compelling arguments on either side, but I honestly don't know enough about chess to make a decision either way. So what do you think? my okay my instinctive my instinctive answer is no because i always consider a sports to be more of a physical thing so i also don't really consider esports a sport but you math yes yeah, so the thing is like who would do that oh math like, you could do like yeah you do like math tournaments but like who would call that a sport and like chess is i guess it's like most i don't know for me i consider it more similar to math tournaments than a football game uh, my final answer though is that i i um I don't care. I don't really find meaning in this question. <laughs> that's my, that's like my actual answer. You don't want to, ca- there's no, you don't find any value in categorizing chess into any sort of label. Chess is just chess. Chess is, it's a, chess is a very unique thing, I guess. I don't yeah, know. For sure. Yeah. I don't think you have, something has to be considered a sport to be meaningful or celebrated, you know? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Okay. There, I have another question. So um, we were, you know, we saw on your LinkedIn about some articles you were featuring. And then there was one quote that you had. It was that said, you keep crushing the opponent and squeezing them. <laughs> so like, that is like, like out of context, that is a terrifying quote from any middle school student. So do you want to like, what was the context? of? Yeah, this? yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and that was when I was in eighth grade. Um, the thing is, you can have different styles as a chess player. Right. Uh, you can have like a passive style, defensive. I always had a very aggressive style as a chess player. I would go for the attack. I would go for, not, not for the sacrificial. I was never sacrificial, but I would go for like the pawn storm, attack the king side, uh, push on the center, uh, get my pieces. I always go for like a quick, fast game. Really, you know, squeezing the opponents really, be, like literally, because I, I well, literally, in the sense that, um, you know, I like pushing my pawns out and then getting a lot of space. Meanwhile, you know, when my pawns were out and I had a lot of space where I controlled the board, my opponent had a very small space where they controlled the board. So it's it's like literally like squeezing them. That's why I use that terminology. Right. Like a python. <laughs> yeah, like a python. <laughs> All right. um, I think, uh, I don't know. Okay, but I guess that's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I guess a chess player. Whoever wrote that article, they titled it really well. Because like they put the quote in the t- article title and that like, that 100% catches your eye. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, obviously congratulations on being accepted to Stanford. That's a huge achievement. Thank you. It's like the most selective school in the country. So that's that's great for you. It's crazy. Um, yeah, especially through early action. Uh, I know that's especially selective. So um, we were just curious, like we didn't really want to talk about the process of applying to college because I think that's sort of overdone and over-discussed. But like what activities and interests do you want to get involved in once you're on campus? Well, I know that I want to major in computer science. I've always 
known this for many years. I know it just was always the obvious option. And specifically, um, I'm actually going to get a lot of AP credits if I go to Stanford. So I would probably be able to graduate in three years. And then I know oh, okay. that there's a program at like, like at Stanford, I think if you take specific classes, you can actually like get a master's degree if you add one extra year. So I might even be able to get a master's degree in computer science in four years. I don't know. That's kind of like, so maybe my goal, I'll have to see if that's actually possible. Oh, so, so are you just trying to finish like the college experiences? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. But also I don't want to like, you know, it's nice to uh, study for one year less because then, uh, <laughs> One like more then year, you pay less. Then you pay less. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I'd go for a stay for a long time. No, obviously. So you know, there's that's that's the most like important thing, of course, is what I'm going to study in. Uh, but of course, you know, like with a school like Stanford or Harvard or MIT or whatever, a huge component is uh, talking to people. It's the people you meet, uh, professors, right. but also just mostly the other students. So a big thing I'm really looking forward to at Stanford is just doing cool things because my thought process like my my thoughts is that and I, I don't think this is emphasized nearly enough but that with places like you know Stanford or like other very top schools mm-hmm. is that there's going to be you know you, you should have like a plan of course I plan to major computer science but there's going to be unexpected opportunities like that's kind of the point of those schools you're going to meet people that are doing really interesting things that are going to have really interesting jobs that you know maybe you can maybe you can join in uh with them and maybe also like with talking with people from very interesting backgrounds perhaps i myself would have uh you know a change in my values or beliefs about the world and i guess like so i can't expect what exactly stanford will give me but i am expecting something i'm expecting something you're so i'm expecting to be like on a, like you you know you're gonna get something you just don't know what it is yet yeah so I'm trying to like open myself up to or, or like that's my mindset is I want to be open to opportunities and kind of just be more uh exploratory and adventurous um maybe a bit more than I was in high school so kind of like the sp- you, you said you're like a sponge so like kind of just going to San and just uh, like seeing all these new opportunities and just taking whatever interests you yeah pretty much yeah hmm, okay. all right well just beyond college a little bit what do you want to do for like a career so do you have any, like, I, I mean, it's, it's early, like, I don't think any 18, 17 year old really knows exactly what they want to do, but do you have a general idea of what path you want to pursue? Yeah, I mean, I had to figure something out because I had to say something in my, you know, interviews and all that, oh, yeah. but <laughs> uh, I think that my, so like what I say is that my default path and my default, I say my default path in the sense that even if I didn't get into Stanford, if I got into like Georgia Tech or something, I would still do this. My default path would be um, study computer science, uh, you know, get a bachelor's there, work in the industry for a few years, go back to school to get a PhD, and then mm. become a professor in computer science. Because I really love teaching. I do a lot of teaching and tutoring, and I teach in like my robotics club mm. and all that. And I, I love computer science, so it kind of fits. And, you know, it's obviously like a very prestigious, interesting career, I'm sure. But that's like my default path. And I don't necessarily want to do that. I think that I have a lot of drive and like room for creativity so that you know I don't need to necessarily follow that like specific career path I could do something interesting which is you know what I've been saying like at Stanford people do interesting things entrepreneurial things maybe startup kind of stuff so like even though I have you know I have that default path which is become a becoming a professor in computer science but I'm open to more options right I think the good thing about computer science is that it's still a developing industry and it could go in a lot of different directions in like the next 10 years. So yeah, just, I guess being open-minded is the most important thing. Like, yeah, the industry is developing for computer science. So, you know, right now, where, what are you interested? Are you interested in like web development, UX, UI, machine learning, backend? I don't know. What, what interests you? I'm not certain yet. I think that I would enjoy machine learning because I really love math. I'm in linear algebra right now, which is of course a prerequisite for machine learning. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So I would imagine that like, I would also enjoy machine learning and I would love to actually even, uh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was planning to self-study machine learning during quarantine, mm. but then I realized that I need to learn linear algebra. So I ended up deciding not to, but I think that it would be interesting and it's like, you know, very kind of math heavy. So I would enjoy it, but I don't know. I enjoy just perming 
in general. Actually, like maybe I'll have time to talk about this, but I've been I've been wanting to do this for many years, but I finally followed some YouTube tutorials for learning how to make plugins in Minecraft. So I'm really looking forward to exploring that. Oh, fun. Wait. Do you like playing video games? I like Minecraft. Um, <laughs> should I talk more about it? Because I actually have a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, let's go yeah, for go it. Ahead. Okay, okay. So I made my Minecraft account when I was eight years old. I always really enjoyed it. And I remember when I was nine, I really enjoyed watching Minecraft YouTubers uh, very much. And, you know, I was like a big fan of Sky Does Minecraft and all that back in the day. Right. And, uh, you know, I was a big fan for a few years. And I still, you know, I, I've always watched YouTube very much. But I think I stopped, you know, th then Minecraft kind of like lowered in popularity for a few years. Yeah, so I, I stopped. I've stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then very recently, um, one of my friends actually made a, uh, Minecraft animation uh, or like animation about people or like Minecraft players and that was in March and she showed it to me and then I got back into Minecraft and actually Minecraft you know for the audience if they don't know Minecraft is really booming right now <laughs> like on the internet it's very popular on YouTube Twitch even freaking Twitter <laughs> so uh -huh. um, yeah I got really into it and uh, I remember specifically that there was this one uh, 16 year old uh, his name's Tommy in it who he, oh, has, who you're talking he has about. 4 million subscribers right now. And he's like n basically number one on Twitch. And, you know, he gets like 200,000 live viewers on Twitch each time he streams, which is like every day. It is insane. And I remember back in August of 2020, I saw him. He was about to reach a million subscribers. And I was thinking like, you know, it, it was just very interesting. I thought like if this, because you know, I, I was already like very high achieving myself. But mm. I wasn't that successful. Like, I thought one in a million was more impressive, <laughs> actually, one million subscribers, because it's more famous, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought that, you know, if this 16 year old who's a year younger than me can achieve this, then I felt like I could achieve anything. I had like an additional boost <laughs> to my, you know, <laughs> pursuit of achievement. Yeah. And it, like, it was huge inspiration. Um, and I felt, you know, my initial thought was like, you know, if, if Tommy in it can try his very hardest for many years and get a million subscribers, you know, if I really, really wanted, I could win a Nobel prize, you know, like, why not? Okay. Uh, like I, I was in that kind of mindset. And then I started thinking, Hey, what if, uh, what if, what if I can shift that to, what if I become a Minecraft YouTuber? And I was thinking, Oh, that sounds kind of interesting. I like talking. I like mm -hmm. Minecraft. It's an interesting idea, and I really like the idea. And also streaming in Minecraft, I really like because I just like talking. <laughs> okay, that's why yeah. I said yes to be on this podcast. I just like talking. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, so have you started? Well, the thing is, I decided that I would not start yet, you know, back in August when I really wanted to, because I was super busy with college apps. And I was like, right, yeah. no, I don't want to distract myself by college, you know, by playing Minecraft when I should be doing college apps. And good thing I you know, good thing I didn't do that because I did get into Stanford. But uh, I decided, you know, back in August that if I still really wanted to, once I'm done with college apps, I would become a Minecraft YouTuber slash streamer. And I'm done with college apps now. And I'm getting, I've been working this entire winter break to prepare for, for starting my channel. <laughs> like, so, what, so what's the username? Like, what's your name going to be? Uh, my name on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, etc. is going to be Nomi Nome. That's mm -hmm. N-O-M-I-N-O-M-A-I. -I. I already have like my accounts there and my profile picture. And there's like a million things to think about, but I am prepared to put all my analytical efforts, <laughs> all my time, energy, emotions into doing this. I think my goal, my goal is to hit, I, mean, I have like one subscriber right now, right? Just my friend, but my goal is to hit hundred thousand subscribers by the end of 2021 and you know what you know what i constantly I, I underestimated myself when it came to college apps okay i did not think i would get into stanford i thought there was like a 30 percent chance and also now my harvard interview went really well and now i think i'm more likely than not going to get into harvard as well like i I'm, i really <laughs> underestimated myself okay i really underestimated myself and you know what i have confidence in myself i'm gonna you know shoot for the moon like i said i'm gonna shoot for hundred thousand subscribers and you know the thing is, even if I don't manage to succeed, I'm okay with failure. Even if I fail, like I'm still gonna learn. I've already learned so much. Like, like I said, I learned Minecraft plugins, how to make a server. I learned uh, how to make 
really amazing, beautiful Minecraft uh, thumbnails. Uh, I learned like, you know, I'm going to learn editing. I'm going to practice my public speaking skills. I'm going to play Minecraft with a friend, which is exactly. It's yeah, not like, about the end. It's about the process. It That's is about it. the process. Right? <laughs> I'm just looking forward to like having a huge goal to work towards. No, but that's like, that's pretty inspiring because most of the time, like, like when people are hearing you say like, oh, like, I think I'm gonna get into Harvard. I think I'm gonna get 100,000 subscribers. Like people will call you cocky and they will think you're overconfident. But like at the end of the day, like, like, how can you, how can you achieve that if you don't say that's your goal, right? Like how yeah, can you yeah. achieve 100,000 subscribers if that, wasn't even like if you're not even shooting for that in the first place exactly like you have to be yeah. overly ambitious so yeah, like, like you know what if i get five thousand subscribers by the end of the year i think that's still pretty cool that's five thousand people who enjoy my content right but like so I'd, I'd still be happy with that but of course like you know i'm setting a goal that i think is maybe realistic even if it's if it's still very unlikely i mean yeah, yeah like who's to decide what is realistic and what isn't nobody yeah. but i do um want to ask one question so you talked about like Tommy in it and you were kind of like like this guy's 16 I can do it too do you feel like you're somebody who when you set your goals and you're motivated do you like do you get inspired or like motivated by comparing yourself to other people or like do you compare yourself a lot to other people and do you think that actually fuels you or is that because I know like in this world a lot of people compare themselves but it's a detriment to them like would you say it's a detriment to you or it actually helps you if that makes sense I definitely think it I don't compare myself very often, but I think it helps me. Uh, like there have been very, there've been like a couple of times in my life where I've gotten uh, jealous of people for, you know, being a better student than me or better at a spe specific activity or whatever. And actually when I, you know, I was like admired Minecraft YouTubers, but then as soon as I decided I want to become one, I was like jealous for a few days, <laughs> even though I hadn't started yet, but then I, I got over that very quickly. So generally, generally like I don't compare myself very often because I don't know I mean my I, I'm already very happy with where I am in life and like what's the point to compare myself like hey right. maybe this person is really good in this sense but I'm really happy with me in like these ways so like why should I compare myself like I should just oh, okay. you know so it's like I'm there definitely have been people that give me that I think actually like give me a lot of like I, I'm inspired by them but then I think they're also inspired by me I think like I have like one friend where we're like that, where we like like very good in different ways. I know, yeah, and like I guess there's been a couple of people in my life I take inspiration from in different ways, like for their maturity, for their skills, just whatever. And I don't, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever struggled with jealousy right. or anything like that. We want to transition a little bit into a Q&A edition, which is specific questions we came up with, like specific ones we wanted to ask you. And, you know, these can be short responses and we'll go into the next one or maybe we'll, you know, expand a little bit beyond that. So the first question we have here is since it's New Year's, literally right now when we're recording, it, it's New Year's Day. What are your New Year's resolutions and goals? 100,000 subscribers by the end of 2021 or preferably by, before I start Stanford, actually. But mm. yeah. That's, I think that, that's the only one I thought of. Oh. Do you have any like more general goals? I mean, I think a really common one is like, I want to start working out more, um, getting better at time management. Or, or even like character, like I want to be a more blah, blah, blah kind of person. Uh, there's a, in terms of that sense, I never, I never really set New Year's resolutions because I, I'm kind of like constantly setting like goals for myself. Like there's a million things I wanted to do once I'm done with college apps, okay? Like Minecraft YouTubing was like, I didn't even think of until recently, right? Um, I wanted to journal a lot to also, you know, try to become a more mature person to think more about what I say. I wanted to, you know, learn to bake, um, mm. to talk more with my friends. And, you know, I'm still gonna like do all that, uh, but I'm not necessarily like focusing in on those things. They're just kind of general goals in my life. Uh, maybe I wanna go on, you know, in terms of exercise, I wanna go on walks with my parents pretty often, mm. but that's not related to like, you know, like a hard goal. The only goal, the only like thing that I consider a goal right now is YouTube. Everything else is just, um, I don't know. I just, I think I just like constantly sets yeah. like these kind of so, so like you size goals. You want to do better with them, but like this a hundred thousand subscribers is more like a quantifiable. Like I want to hit this benchmark. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about you, Elaine? Um, I wanted to get into running because I I've 
read a lot about successful people, you know, they all, a lot of them do distance running because it trains your mental strength a lot. And it's also just good for your health in general, like cardiovascular exercise. So um, pretty inspiring. I want to like run a 10K at some point. So yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of relate to Naomi in the sense that like, I want to do a lot of things. I have a lot of goals, even beyond just like new years, like new, you don't need to set goals just because it's a new year. But one thing is kind of what you said, Elaine, like I want to work out. I'm going to try to work out every single day for the next three weeks and just see how that goes. Also because swipe season is starting. So it's kind of just like an excuse for me to get back into shape because yeah, ever since college app season started, like my habits kept kind of falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Um, okay. This is to you, Naomi. Second question. How would you describe your personality just in general open-ended? A couple words. Also, while you think about it, there are some like college app questions that would be like, describe your describe yourself in three words. Yeah. For sure. That's just yeah. something I thought about, but. But because uh, they've always been a part of me, it's not interesting to describe, or it's not uh, easy to describe those parts of my personality. It's easier to think of the ways that I've changed in my personality, like recently. So in terms of like how I've changed in my personality, I think that. Uh, in the past couple of years, I've been trying a lot more to become more kind of sweet or nice, uh, like in conversations or, you know, like sending, sending like uh, love to my friends with like, you know, like I, I really like sending the hug emoji because it's a teddy bear on Teams and then like does the hug thing and, oh, you know, be, being more wholesome, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, like more compassionate. More yeah, more. that kind of stuff. So that's like a way that I haven't always necessarily been that that is part of my personality now I would say and I also you know I mentioned that in my college apps I actually mentioned that in my Stanford roommate essay even um mm. so that's one thing is being trying to be more sweet I think that's yeah I mean I guess uh I mean it's a hard question like yeah, yeah. it's such a complex <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I think something like we already talked about with chess but I think Jeff definitely something along the lines of determined slash deliberate slash ambitious something along those lines has always been yeah uh, a part of me like I want I want to succeed I want to like yeah just fulfill my ex just you yeah. know surpass expectations that's always been a bit big part of me it's also what you said it's hard to pinpoint what your personality is just because you know you're you're changing like I'm sure a lot of people have changed during quarantine or in general it just like you're not it's not like it's not necessarily you knowing what your personality is but like you are creating who you are in your personality rather than like True. figuring out what it is yeah. so like it's more like that is why you're changing like it's you don't have any core personality part of you it's like however you want to define yourself so our next question is where would you ideally see yourself 10 years from now so keyword is ideally keyword yeah <laughs> um 100 million subscribers married to a billionaire um i don't know uh oh okay, okay well you know what whatever <laughs> okay uh, ignore what i just said <laughs> anyways yeah in 10 years um, I mean, the number one, like, most important thing to me in life is uh, family. So I think, like, you know, by the time I'm 27, I would hope to have, like, kids, like, at least, like, and I, I want to, I think, like, three kids, three kids is a good number. I like that. But it's nice. um, like, I think a lot of people think all of your personal happiness comes from your job when that's really not what it is for, like, 99% of people. It's like the connections and family you have. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, next question where would you realistically or practically see yourself 10 years from now? So keyword is realistic. Oh, oh wait, the same thing. Okay. <laughs> wait, I just realized. No, yeah. No, honestly, I felt like the response was pretty like realistic. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, my response, like my ideal. Oh, okay. That's weird. Cause like my, my ideal is quite realistic. So like, that's my ideal. And it's also very realistic. My ideal then, okay. You know what? Shoot. Okay. Let me go back a bit. So no, that's a good ideal, thing would be to have yeah. three kids who love me very much and are very talented, have a husband <laughs> who loves me very much and is very rich and may maybe famous, <laughs> I don't know, and uh, very interesting to talk with. And uh, realistic is just have like, uh, you know, be married to like a smart, interesting guy. I have like three cute kids. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, fair, fair. And like career-wise, um, ideal, career-wise ideal is like, 
yeah, like rich, famous, impact on the world, um, Nobel Prize laureates, stuff like that. Uh, I, realistic is like, yeah, just nice computer science job. I, but that's also my idea. Like having a nice computer science job is also just very lovely. Like in, you know, just yeah. living more chill. So I don't know, there isn't that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the answer we were looking for is that you want this, <laughs> your realistic versus ideal situation is the same thing. Yeah, I think there's, I feel like there's a lot of merit in just having a well-paying, like, stable computer science job that gives you the opportunity to focus a lot more on family without having well, teenage entrepreneur entrepreneurs be like escape the nine to five invest yeah, in no, stocks no, I, don't think that. I mean I, I i get it i understand you want to escape this like late stage capitalist system like i i, I get it but really at the end of the day it's just about family Carrying yeah that. no i think like a big thing is like so if i didn't value family i didn't want to have kids then i could yeah i could be like total entrepreneurial like put a ton of effort probably have a big imp- hopefully have a big imp- impact on the world but you know if you have like a family then there's certain things and that's actually a thing that I actually mentioned this in one of my Stanford essays that like it's like uh, there's like the first the first question for Stanford essays is like what is the biggest challenge society faces and I just I had 50 words and I just talked about the trade-off between career and family okay I just talked about that in my essay <laughs> So it's something that has not been resolved yet, especially because like society structure, like family structure is very changing with like, you know, the main thing is that like women are working a lot more than they were previously. So there's a lot of stuff that's not optimized yet. And it's just, you know, even though like it'd be really awesome if I like did a lot of cool stuff in the world, I have my priorities and my priorities like my family. So if I, you know, get a nine to five job, then like I'm fine with that. Maybe like when my kids are like grown up or something, then maybe I can do like weird stuff in the world or something. All right. Well, Thank you so much, Naomi, for coming onto our podcast. We, you know, it was really fun learning not only about what well, Elaine already mentioned this, like Stanford chess, but also just getting to know you kind of, you know, your met, like how you think, what motivates you really anything. Is there anything else, any last sentence words you want to say? Have a lovely day. All right, cool. Big shout out to Naomi for being a guest on our fourth episode of Saturday School. If you enjoyed, make sure to follow mission.inspired on Instagram to keep updated with our next episode. We'll see you guys next time, two weeks from now.